Welcome back, everybody, to the Waggle and Whiff podcast. Scotty and Steve coming to you. Let's do it. Let's the do it. The kid is here. I'm cleaning out Steve's refrigerator with all the lonely beers that have been left. It's officially gone. Everything's gone. There was <laughs> there were two cans of rosé in there. Steve's uh, taking those down. Uh, and Scotty's had a couple beers, so uh, we haven't lived here in like a month and a half. So uh, the fridge has been cleaned by Emily, and now it's officially literally empty. There's zero, <laughs> there's nothing in our fridge. No. Nothing in it right now. Anyways, before we get to the pod, we have to tell you, today's podcast is brought to you by Fairways and Fun Days. They are the go-to tour operator in all of Ireland. They'll help you book everything from the best golf courses to hotels, and they're offering a special discount for our listeners. Use code WAGGLE and the letter N WIF when you go to the website, or you can just even call them up and give them that code. You'll get a 5% discount on the total cost of your tour. I'm telling you, we used these guys last summer. They are the best tour operator in Ireland. They've even been voted best tour operator in Ireland. Uh, so you guys got to go to fairwaysandfundays.com. Just Google it. Go there. They'll help you out. And again, these guys are so low-key. They'll help you with anything from transportation, golf, hotels, any part of your trip, either half of it, just one part of it, just the golf, the travel, everything. Like they, They'll go as far as, as you need them to or they'll do as little as you want them to. They're the best. So go, again, go to fairwaysandfundays.com or give them a call. Use code Waggle and Whiff. You'll get a 5% discount. All right, so let's get into it, Scotty. Yeah, yeah. Very excited about today's podcast. We this do. is this is uh, groundbreaking for us for the Wagon Whiff crew. What we got, Stevie? Uh, we got our first major guest. I don't say our first because that would do our, that wouldn't do justice to our uh, oh boy Shane Bacon. our boy Shane Bacon who came on before the Tiger and Phil match. But uh, our second guest ever on the pod, we met Joe Scavrin yes. out in Scottsdale, who is my guy Ricky Fowler's caddy. That is your has guy. been. My guy for uh, for Ricky since 2009 on tour, yeah. so he's been there through pretty much everything. Uh, he came off, obviously, he's coming off a, a win at Waste Management out in Phoenix, a he's very interesting Sunday. Yeah, he's got some time off, so we get into all that with him. Um, we're gonna get into you know everything from the you know how he met Ricky and how he got started on tour as a caddy. Um, we got some great stuff, but we'll t- <laughs> we met him in Scottsdale. Yeah, uh, at a bar. We'll just tell the story. Like let's this- let's get let's get right to it. I had, I had, uh, you know, we had a few adult beverages. We're watching the Patriots game. Super Bowl, Not Super Bowl Sunday. Super- well, it's a, Not we just went to the this Patriots game. We're we're we're, <laughs> we're watching the fucking Super good, Bowl. That's a good point. That's a good point. So. We're we're watching the Super Bowl, and first of all, we're coming off of a Ricky win. It was an emotional Sunday for me because it was a tough win for Ricky. And now I'm getting to the Super Bowl. I'm getting the mode for Super Bowl. Patriots win. Night's kind of winding down. Uh, Emily decides to go back to the house. Yeah. Our Airbnb, uh, shout out to our Airbnb. Shout out to our Airbnb. And then Scotty and I said, you know, we're going to celebrate the win a little bit more. <laughs> And so I literally drop Emily off. You know, I walk her to the car. I Gentle told the story man. last week, I think. Uh, you did. I, I did go into it. And then I run into Joe. As, as I get back into the bar, I run into him. I immediately recognize him. And you know what's funny about this is that I, I don't recognize anybody, right? Yeah. Like, I'm, I live in L.A., and the only time I see celebrities is when I have visitors from out of town. And the visitors are like, oh, my God, like, that's Lisa Kudrow. Or like, oh, my God, that's... 
Brad Pitt. And I'm so just true. like, wait, so I don't, true. I don't even like, I just go about my business. I don't, I don't notice this, but I will like go, I'm going to the restroom there. And I like immediately, like my eyes, like I'm like taken back. I'm like, wait, that's, that's Ricky's caddy. And I'm like, Hey, uh, are you Ricky's caddy? Like kind of <laughs> a little awkward. Right. And I'm like, Joe, right. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a very chance meeting, meeting him, but he was a super cool dude. Like we said last week, we hung out with him for a little while. Uh, we got his contact information and Scotty, you reached out. To I him. hit him up. You hit him up this week and, uh, and he agreed to come on the podcast, <laughs> this podcast. I mean, I wonder if he even, do you think he listened to it? We were talking about this before. Do you think, well, I, I you him, think after you sent him the po- information, he listened to us? I hope so. I think he did. I think he's big enough in golf to know that he can't just give an interview to anyone. Um, the question was, is, oh, apparently he did. <laughs> the question was, is, did he remember us or was he just being a nice guy? I hope both. I think he kind of remembered us, okay. uh, after you texted him, we, we went back and forth them a little bit about setting it up. And he, again, he was super cool. He's like, yeah, no problem coming on. And so that's it. Yeah. And we picked we got, the date and we're here and we have a top we'll, 10 in the world golfers, PGA tour caddy on the show. So we're excited. So yeah. So we're bringing it to you here at Waggle and Whiff Entertainment, baby. What were you going to say about Emily? Uh, she's not here. Oh, um, not yet. So I just wanted to all, everyone to not... Don't freak out. Freak out. Don't hit the unsubscribe button. <laughs> Don't stop listening. She's Remember still, to rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> she's still a part of this podcast. She's and she will here. be here. She's she's had a very busy schedule of late, but she she might be making a cameo appearance pretty soon. We'll see. Okay. Okay, just everybody calm down. Uh, one of my buddies texted me last week because he said the two funniest quotes of the podcast were that you said uh, Joe Scavron was couldn't be sweeter, <laughs> and Emily said Ricky shoot it off at like <laughs> at like seven p.m. And I'm like, I didn't even recognize that because that sounds horrible. But oh, let's keep it PG. Like, come on, Emily. Ricky shoot it off at. 10 it was like earlier joe was a sweet guy he was a sweet guy very sweet anyways so before we get to joe yeah let's talk pebble okay this past week the lefty uh, the lefty the lefty's back at it hello somebody (laughs) hello somebody he uh like you said this earlier you're talking just wins out of nowhere from this guy i mean he looks like absolute he, he stinks it up at the Ryder cup i mean he just stinks and then all of a sudden he comes back and and he he made a good start like on the fall schedule somewhere and then played well out in the desert and then he, he wins at Pebble uh, which is in a US Open year which you know that's kind of interesting. Ooh, the last storyline's there. That's the only that's the only one he doesn't have. Uh, so I Phil's obviously feeling good about Pebble and he comes out plays really well and and takes it home and and look Phil it's easy to like it, we we forget because he doesn't he hasn't won that often since like 2013. 48th. Oh, okay. No, sorry, 44th PGA Tour win. Okay. Um, I, I don't have the list of of all the wins and where he's won worldwide in front of me. Point being, he's won a lot. He's won a lot. He's won a lot. This I think you described it so perfectly. This anyone who's been watching Phil golf for the last 20 years knows that he his. Golf goes way up and down. He could play awful for three weeks, and then yeah. he'll come out and shoot 65 on Thursday, Friday. Yeah. And out of nowhere. And he's done that for majors from time to time. And it's just the way that he plays golf. Like, he never really Yeah, I feel like in round he's that way too, right? Exactly. Like, 
exactly. You know, birdie four holes in a row, and then he triples one. Yeah, like, but I think I think well, first of all, interesting on Thursday he did something he's never done for his entire career. He hit off the tee. He hit every fairway. Really? Well, I I, I know I can believe that he's never done that his entire career, but so I didn't know for, he did it this first, week. First time he's ever done that. And then what was so interesting is he was not in the original field for this week in L.A. at the Genesis at Riv. And after Thursday him playing so well, he it's decided like, that he would make screw the commitment. Screw this. Let's go. Let's, let's go. <laughs> let's so drive just, down. It was just really funny. But, yes, unbelievable. Like we said, this is his career trends up and down. This is a great win. We can talk more about the win. But um, just something to note here, this moves him to 17th in the world of, of official uh, rankings. And for all of our listeners that love statistics, just chew on this one. Here we Phil's go. never been out of, hasn't been out of the top 50 in official golf world rankings since 1993. That's a lot of time. Since 1993, he's been in the top 50 in the world. Yeah, and he played, he played in the Tiger era, which is right. even more impressive. So, I mean, like all those wins... You know, I mean, they're so hard to come by now. We, then there's so many younger guys that are all just trading blows now, and you're going to see these guys, you know, win a lot of tournaments throughout their career. You're going to see Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and Jordan Ricky go out Fowler. there and, and hopefully Ricky win win a lot more tournaments. Uh, and you know, he's one, he was one of those guys, and it still is really. I mean, and, and it goes to also show you like. You know, you can be old. <laughs> you can be in your forties, <laughs> yeah. and you can win on tour, and yeah. it's that's good for all you Tiger fans, right? Right. Um, so it's gonna be. Uh, it's good to see him win. I always like seeing. Did you watch on Sunday? I did watch on Sunday. Uh, we had some drama down the stretch, right? We did. We had some um, weather. We had some weather. First weather, of all, hail, hail everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Can't um, say you've seen that too. And many so times. it was interesting because as Phil was taking over the lead from Paul Casey weather and light and visibility became an issue and finally they had to stop on the 16th green this is great and phil showed his displeasure of having to stop and at one point he even he kept saying you know i can see fine i can see fine and at <laughs> one like point even told pitch black pitch black he's like yeah. we have glow balls it's right like fifth, it's like five third it's like 545 and at one time phil even says well if we hit the shot on 17 I can just hit uh, iron in the dark on 18. He tells okay. the rule official right. that. Um, and, and you just could so tell he was just upset that he had to come back in the morning and then get on oh, his private plane and fly back to L.A. Yeah, and, and so everyone knows, if you hit a tee shot on any hole, the player has the option to Correct. finish. Correct. So, I mean, he was like legit. I mean, it was dark. It was legitimately like just getting dark. They're on 16 at this point, and they're about to stop it before Paul Casey putts there. Yep. And Phil's, Phil's kind of chirping the rules official and Paul Casey like, nah, I can see fine. I don't know what anyone's talking about here. <laughs> yeah. And people are like looking at him like he's got eight heads. Like, Phil, are you fucking serious right now? And he was going with it. He was just like, no, no, I'm good. Let's go. Like, you know, he knew he was playing well. He wanted to close it out. He didn't want to come back the next morning, obviously. And Phil, uh, or Phil, uh, Paul Casey, n- nice guy that he is. Him and his amateur, by the way, because this is the Pebble Beach Pro Am, are are winning the tournament, the am the Pro Am tournament. So he's kind of obviously thinking about that a little bit, and uh, you know he's he's saying, look, I I can't see. So Paul Casey's like, look, if I if I'm like if I miss these putts, there's a bunch of guys that are already done. Like I don't want to just screw this up and like lose a bunch of money, right? right? So he's like, I'm I'm not gonna go. 
so much to Phil's chagrin, they had to come back on Monday morning, and uh, but Phil still got it done. He got it done, and also too, I think Paul Casey in a little bit was trying to protect his amateur partner. Yeah, yeah. Who they were in the lead for the tournament together, and to make him go through that, basically the amateur still had to play, so all three of them had to play. Yeah. And I think Casey was was just trying to do the right thing, and come back with the best greens after they've been mowed and they could see, and Phil won anyway. So as much to do about anything other than Phil just probably. Didn't get to fly on his back home on that the private night. jet. He, yeah. was, he had right. fueled up right. and ready to, to go on the extra, runway. Had to stay an extra night at the lodge at Pebble. Oh man, how life. how horrible it gets, right. Phil. What are we gonna do? Anyways, yeah, that was fun to watch though. Uh, always good to see Pebble. Good to see a little U.S. Open preview. Yeah, they talked about some of the holes how they're gonna take in narrow the fairways in a, a few different areas that weren't narrow. So players got to at least see where that was going to happen on pebble i thought it was kind of a big deal bigger deal earlier in the week when it came to getting a good look at pebble but they play spanish bay they play spyglass as well for the pro-am so they really only play two rounds or two and a half right they play two rounds on on pebble beach but again it's an opportunity to get up there get acquainted good good week to watch uh golf like i said yeah more views for steve more views for steve uh love that Anyways, we got some news on Tiger's schedule as well. Yeah, so this week is the L.A. week. Um, literally four streets away from where we filmed this podcast. Uh, they'll be playing this week here at Riviera Country That's right. Club. And uh, obviously Tiger's in the field for his charity as the beneficiary of this tournament. And he had a press conference today, and he confirmed that he will be going to the WCG in Mexico next week. So the news out there is two weeks in a row for Eldrick. For Tiger. There we go. For Eldrick. Two weeks in a row. The the crew will be out there. We're going to head out to Genesis. We'll head out to Riviera. We'll get Rivaling some content to you guys. Back on it. Back on it. Who do you like this week? Oh, it's a tough question. Um, you know, I'm going to say... I'm going to go Justin Thomas this Ooh, week. That's a, good, that's a good call. I feel like he's due... He was disappointed get, he didn't play better in Phoenix. Yeah, no, he needs to get in this whole little, you know, top five guys, top ten guys that are winning yeah. earlier in the year. Like, I think he gets it done. But I yeah. can also see, I can, I mean, Bubba's won three times now. A lot times. of long hitters won there. Those are three. I mean, well, DJ's won there. If you, I don't know if you played. DJ, DJ's playing, right? DJ's yeah. in the field. I, don't I know, like DJ I don't know this week. How many times you've played with? But as you know, it's zero. a place where you you have to hit driver everywhere. Yeah, zero. It, it is it is a bomber's golf course. It is a driving nightmare. If you're part three is we hit the driver on the part three. Well, no. if you're, <laughs> kidding. I probably am. Well, number four, I bet you are. <laughs> it's two twenty into the wind. I haven't played. Yeah. <laughs> like let's just be real. Mm. I would say. Uh, yeah, drivers probably coming out. So that. it's just it's a it's a course that is always favored really long hitters um, because you have to hit driver everywhere. Okay, I like it. Yeah, I like DJ. Yeah, he knows the course well. I know he's. You want DJ this week? Yeah. All right, like cool. He's won we'll, another... we'll bet a beer on it. I'll take JT. Take DJ. We'll just switch okay. up the letters. I like it. All right, so yeah, we're looking forward to Genesis this week. We'll be out there. Uh, we got Tiger's schedule. Can I just say one more thing about Tiger's schedule? Since yeah. he's committed to WCG, this probably takes Honda out of the equation. Yeah, I think he's so. probably not going to play four in a row 
and there's no way he's missing the players, and there's no way he's missing Arnold Palmer. So, yep. so with that said, the WCG he probably takes Honda off. Yeah, which you said in the press conference, it gets a little complicated because I mean that's like in his backyard, right? right. I mean the Honda's like yeah. right there. It's it's such an easy thing for him to do. So, uh, it's interesting, but that I mean this was the only part of the schedule that I thought was tricky that I didn't Agreed. like Agreed. because you know you have the West Coast swing where a bunch of players like to play any number of these tournaments there's like six in a row that are so good like phoenix is good uh a pebbles obviously a, yeah. a a great course and a and a chance to see a u.s open course then you go right into riviera which players love to go out to riv and then you're going right to wgc in mexico and then you have this the whole florida swing gets right into it where right. a bunch of these players live so they have to choose they got to take time off they right. just they got to choose which well, we saw in our boy ricky who's taking pebble and riv off yeah, but he never plays either of those, so he's sort of on he his normal his rookie, schedule. He played Pebble's rookie year. His rookie right, year. His rookie play, year, He's yeah. played all of them before. And he's going to play, he's still going to play a bunch in a row, because he's he's a past champion of Honda, he'll play right, Honda, right. and then he'll play Arnie's, and then he'll play the players, so he's going to probably play three in a right. row. Right. Probably and, take Valspar. What it hurts, it yeah. hurts Valspar. It's yeah. Probably no one's it, playing that. None of the guys <laughs> no will play Valspar after, after the players is yeah. what sucks. Because I think poor Valspar guys. Last year, like Copperhead, right? That's he, where that's at. Yes, uh, yeah. um, Innisbrook, right? Tampa, right? Yeah, that's not getting anybody this year. <laughs> and Tiger came in second last year and kind of started the whole transition. That was his first big, and brought a first lot of big attention move, to the yeah. tournament, and unfortunately, uh, I don't think many people play it. And unfortunate too, because I think one of the most underrated golf courses they play on tour. Right. All right, one more thing before we get to Joe. Sure. Kucher. Yeah. <laughs> Making headlines. This story won't go away, and he should have known reason. it's not going to go away. For good reason. So Kucher apparently paid the cat. It comes out that he paid the caddy, was it five grand up front, and then offered him. What I've read now is that he, he paid him five up front and yeah. will offer him, or was offering him 15 extra mm-hmm. after the win. So again, not three thousand dollars, but not ten percent either. Probably a little bit lower than my original expectations. So, what are your thoughts? It might have been three grand and then in a fifteen, but it was definitely confirmed in multiple reports, Golf.com, uh, some other reports that it was that. And oh, the caddy came out. He actually broke his silence. Um, what does what does he call himself? Uh, El El Tuco El Tucaron El, El, El something Toro, El Toro I think <laughs> El Toro yeah no it's not El Toro El, 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 El Tuca something El like Tuca <laughs> here's the thing that's the the thing is is about this is like you said this story won't go away yeah. and and to be honest Matt Kuchar and his team have handled it horribly by allowing yeah. this thing to go from a Twitter post. Yeah. To yeah. now it's on ESPN it's, and he's being called out. It's bad PR management. And so, let's, again, context for our listeners. Matt Kuchar won $1.3 million on that week, okay? Mm-hmm. And by all reports and my close source, very close to the situation, said that he was paid in between, I don't know the exact number, three thousand to five thousand for the week up front. Yep. Right, which is good. 
Yeah, that's, that's a, good, a thing. good week. Yeah, and that's if you if you even look at what Kucher's statement was, he talked about it being a good week. Yep, agree with you, but they never discussed what would happen about a if what the winnings portion would be. Well, then Matt that's Kucher correct. goes on to win the tournament and basically says, "Okay, here's your money. Here's your money for the week without any additional." But that goes against number one, just how you treat somebody. Number two, it goes against what the protocol is on tour. And I don't care if you say he's a local caddy. Matt Kuchar had enough faith in him to take him as his caddy that would help him win a regular rate. It wasn't like that Matt Kuchar said, hey, I don't want you to do anything. I don't, you know, I'm, you're not getting paid the regular rate here no matter what yeah. happens. Right? Yeah. No, you want a regular sanctioned PGA Tour event with that as your guy. So therefore, he should be entitled to the payment as your guy. The normal payment, which is 10% for a which win. Which would have been how much? $100,000. And so now it comes out that El Toro wrote um, his agent and said that, hey, can I get properly compensated? And they were willing to pay an additional $15,000, which would have brought his total for the week to somewhere around $20,000. And reportedly, the caddy said, keep your money. And hats off to him because it takes balls to turn down free money. But yeah. I think it's a better story. And I think the caddy can get more out of really shaming Matt Kuchar, who <laughs> I'm just going to say right now, I'm never rooting for ever again. <laughs> He's coming out strong. Uh, yeah, I look, it, you can't. I was trying to think of an angle this morning, actually, of, to be honest, just, just to think. Okay, if I'm trying to get into Kucher's head and I'm trying to think, and some people have come out and said that if you don't pay him 10% because he's a local caddy, that's fine. And I think it sort of is. But if you're going to pay him less than 10%, then you should have at least said that ahead of time, right? So he's like, hey, by the way, if I win, like, I'm going to throw you 20 or 30 grand. So just show, just, I'm going to let you know right now, like, that up front, like, that's the least he should have done. And then you probably wouldn't have had these issues because he could have said, look, Call me cheap, call me whatever, but like I, I told him this was the deal was if somehow I won that week, which is a low percentage chance. So now you can call him cheap. Like that's it's 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 obviously a cheap action. Like this would be something that would, like you said, he he earned one point three to win. He's made millions, tens of millions of dollars on tour. Like this, you know, whether he pays him twenty or thirty grand, or whether he pays him one hundred and twenty grand, isn't gonna hurt Matt Kuchar's pocket that much. So, point being. I found no way to defend Matt Kuchar or even think of a different angle here because no. there's really nothing to say. I mean, you're, you're you're worth tens of millions of dollars. You win a tour event. I mean, throw the caddy the full 10%. If you paid him a little less and you told him that up front, then I might give him a little bit more slack on it. But that The was very it. fact that him and his agent were offering an additional 15 shows that they were in the wrong and they don't want to just come out and pay it. Yeah, so I and I didn't know that. I didn't think that. I thought that he just paid him that day, like the extra, the fifteen right. grand, which is still low. Like, I mean, right. if you're gonna pay him so fifty or sixty grand, <laughs> right. like, okay, that's less than ten percent, but it's still money. Right. You know, not it's still 15, gonna do something different. Grand. Yeah, fifteen twenty is like okay, he'll have a good year, but I mean, it's not. I mean, that's that's tough. 
It's not a good look. It's not a good Max look. Max go kick rocks. The, the, big, the biggest thing, really, is that Cooch should... I mean, like, it's, it, it was handled horribly. Like, this never would have come out right. if he did it the right way and just said, you know what, like, let's... You know, if his agent or his team kind of said, you know what, like, let's, let's squash this. Why let's pay, pay the guy the money. <laughs> We've watched enough TV shows. We follow enough gangsters to know why do you pay people off? So yeah, watch Ray talk, Donovan, baby. So they don't talk. Right. I mean, obviously, they had every opportunity to do this over the past few weeks, so and this, they only <laughs> fifteen. So this is on them. I'm done with this story because I think I have a pretty yeah, good idea what happened. Matt Kuchin, go kick rocks mm-hmm. for being cheap. All right, he's a cheap ass. So there you go. Screw him. <laughs> Anyways, pay your caddies. Well, speaking of caddies, Mr. Joe Scavern, he's coming up next. Here's our interview. All right, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We've got Joe Scavron, PJ Tour caddy Joe Scavron, on with us this week, caddying most famously for Ricky Fowler since he started on tour back in 2009, I believe. Uh, we were lucky enough to meet Joe out in Scottsdale at the Waste Management this past week. Uh, uh, obviously, a great week for Joe and Ricky. So, first off, Joe, congratulations on the big win. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was it was a very interesting Sunday to watch. I'll tell you that. So we're big Ricky homers on this podcast. Well, I, I should say I am. Um, so we talk we, we talk about you guys a decent amount. But uh, so it was great to see you guys performing well all week. We were there on sixteen and enjoying all the sights and sounds uh, that that make that tournament so great. But uh, Sunday comes around after Ricky gets out to like a good uh, five shot cushion or whatever. He's twenty under par playing great all week and then Sunday comes around with some tough weather conditions nobody's really going that low I think Ricky maybe had like one bad hole it took a double on on the front nine but he still had a good cushion and then number 11 happens which was which was craziness and and all social media starts blowing up Twitter's blowing up everything's going on so take us through what happened on 11 from from your point of view yeah so um like you said, it was kind of a scratchy front nine, but we talked about it after nine, and we kind of know that there's always going to be nine holes where, you know, throughout the course of the week where you might not have it, you just kind of got to get through it, and he played so well the rest of the week. And like you said, kept his cushion because no one was making a move. And he goes out and he birdies 10, feeling pretty good. Um, goes with the strategy right. off 11 to play it a little bit more conservative off the tee. It's always a three-wood or a two-iron for him uh, over the last couple of years. Hit the uh, what we call what we call our two three iron. It's it says four on it, but it's pretty hot. Um, and mm-hmm. hit it in the right rough there. And we had the discussion that 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 pin you can't get past that pin. So we were really just playing that. Hey, if it jumps, um, it'll get to the front. Maybe chase to the middle, but that's the most we want to get it to. And if it's short right, it's fine. Ended up yeah. short right. Um, you know, the weather kind of came through there, and that was probably the hardest it rained all day from what I remember. Um, ball's a little bit wet, raining a little bit, hits a chip, and it skids on him and goes over the green, and we can't tell if it's in the bunker or the water until we hear the crowd reaction. Um, <laughs> go over mm-hmm. to take our drop, go through it. It rolls in the hazard twice. I pick it up for him both times, goes places the ball. He walks up to the green. I walk over to kind of take care of everything i got towels and umbrella and all that stuff and uh all of a sudden you kind of hear a groan from the crowd and we look up and the ball's in the water 
and uh, unreal. Neither of us knew what the new rule was on that. I mean, I'd gone through all, all the new rules on the way to Tory and sat through a rules meeting. Thought I had a pretty good grip on him, and I actually told him, I said, I don't think it's going to be a penalty now because you didn't do anything to cause the ball to move. Uh, we never got the real explanation for how that world that rule works now if it was just because it rolled into the hazard or if that would have been a penalty anywhere we were more just concerned with our situation slugger came over and told us it was a penalty rick hits the shot and then makes a great putt there while he was making the putt and after we're done with the hole i was trying to figure out what we made with slugger Um, (laughs) because he and he didn't really know because i was telling him how many shots we'd hit what had gone on he was on the um the walkie-talkie with the guys inside. He wanted to make sure he got it right. And I was confused as to whether it was like we had hit it in the water again or you just add one shot. Um, and right. so then he finally clarified that. He said, how many times you hit it? Five times. Two penalty shots, seven. Go to the next hole. And that was kind of how it went down. Got it. Got it. That, and still kind of crazy. Joe, in a situation like that, you know Ricky probably better than almost anyone. Um, if something like that happens, what is he looking for from you? Is he looking for a pump, uh, 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 to pump him up? Is he looking for, you know, someone just to calm him down and saying, you know, we have the whole, you know, rest of the golf course to play. Is he looking for just someone to kind of stay away from him? Like what's your role and what is Ricky looking for from you in that situation? Yeah. So Rick's pretty calm. He doesn't get bothered by too much. You know, he didn't lose it there. He was a little frustrated, but, um, you know, he reacted um, pretty favorably for the situation. Um, all I ever try to do is stay the same all the time. That's always my goal, to not show anything on my face, not get too up, not get too down, um, mm-hmm. always stay positive with him and try to keep us in the routine. So all I focused on from my job on 12 was getting to him to go through the same routine and making sure he was ready to hit that golf shot. And that's yeah. all I was trying to do um, at that time. Yeah. And so, I mean, I can only imagine kind of what's going through your head at that time. Right. Cause I mean, you're worried mm-hmm. about your job and your player. Right. But I mean, your mm-hmm. head's gotta be like, you gotta be kidding me. Like we've been so close here so many times and like, you know, you get a, a placed ball that rolls back into the water because it's wet out. Uh, mm-hmm. So like what's going on in your mind? Are you like, are you on the inside? You're not showing anything, but on the inside, you're freaking out a little bit or what? Yeah. Oh, you definitely got a lot of stuff going through your mind. And then after the bogey on 12, there's even more. Um, and that's kind of where we got into where I'm just making sure he's good to go and he's good the rest of the way. And just reminding him that, that what I kept trying to do from my standpoint was remind him that this is where we wanted to be at the start of the week. It's not where we wanted to be at the start of the day, but it's where we wanted to be at the start of the week and that I'll take him over anybody in that situation. Um, and then 13 was a little scratchy as well. He made a good putt for par. And then on the way to 14, all I said to him was, it's going to be way better when you win it like this. And he, <laughs> you know, he kind of gotten himself together by then. He looked at yeah. me on 14 green. I don't know. He had 50 or 60 feet there. I mean, it wasn't very close. And he said, I'm going to roll this in. And he almost did. And that was when I kind yeah. of knew he was fine again. And he went in a great tee shot on 15. And his mind was good. And that's, you know, no matter what I say to him, he's got to control his emotions and control everything even if I say the right thing, he's still got to control it. You know, it's not right. like I have some caddies have some magic potion to just make them feel a certain <laughs> way. Just keep trying to make them, you know, say the right things and keep them in the right state, but they've got to do that themselves. And he did it. 
He did a great job there on 15 and a, and a great job on 17 with the shot to hit. Yeah, he had to exercise some demons on 17 too, right? I mean, so that 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 hole is, you know, you guys have gotten really unlucky in the past on that hole before, and then he, mm-hmm. he, he didn't hesitate. It looked like you guys had that that driver picked out ahead of time no matter what. Like, it wasn't going to be three wood or anything shorter. So he, he just pulled out driver, ripped it right on the green. That was kind of when we were, we were watching in our house in Scottsdale. We are like, all right, he's got it now. Yeah, and I was going, you know, after the past, you know, as a caddy, you go through every scenario in your head. You might not bring them all up to him, but you go through every scenario of could we hit this, can we hit this, you know, how's it playing, everything. And that number was just – it was a driver number no matter what. You know, it was a little bit wet. The ball wasn't going quite as far as it normally goes here. Um, he was trying to hit kind of a straight shot with just a little fall right to it. And it, it was very straight with a little fall left. I said – it about six times when it was in the air <laughs> and that's uh, a lot of people caught us laughing on tv i guess right and, yeah uh, that's what we were laughing about as i said hey sorry i said sit so many times a little jumpy about this bounce and he just kind of tapped me and said hey me too bud and then we just laughed <laughs> so uh, it was nice to see that ball end on the green but then you know it's not an easy two putt and 18 is not an easy hole so the job's still not done and you don't know if gracie's gonna birdie the last you know the last right, time right, we were in yeah. that situation with matsuyama he birdied the last two so right. um, you still don't know what's going to go on ahead of you, and you still got to kind of take care of business. Yeah. Now, now, you grew up in Marietta, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay, and, and take our listeners through how you your relationship with, with Ricky started. Okay, so to kind of summarize it, I mean, there's a lot to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, just brief. But um, I'm eight years older. Uh, my dad's a golf pro. My mom ran the local junior golf association. I grew up playing golf, doing the whole thing. Um, Ricky came into the association. He was the first person my mom ever let play tournaments before they were five. So my mom (laughs) was one of us, is what I always joke around. There you go. go. (laughs) And we've had some other really good players from that association. Brendan Steele grew up in that association. John Chin, who's now on tour, grew up in that association and plenty of others that are uh, still playing. John Mallinger played a lot in our association. Um, And I just knew Ricky from that. We played a little bit of golf over the years. Um, You know, with our age differences, we never hung out a ton, but we played a decent amount of golf together and had a good relationship. Kind of was always kind of like my little brother, little cousin kind of a thing. Um, And then I caddied a bit for Brendan Steele and a girl named Charlotte Maricus just for fun. So when Rick right. Turner was about to turn pro, he asked me, hey, would you like to come out and try it? I was coaching college golf at the time. And then that's what turned into this. Nice. That's awesome. Pretty good run so far. Yeah, it's been a great run. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's been fantastic. So real quick, to, real quick. So you, you've been quite the trendsetter on tour with, your, with the bag, <laughs> right? <laughs> you got the stand bag over the staff bag. What's your take on it right now? People are People are – adopting the strategy you like the stand bag so yeah I, I love it um i know it was a little controversial on the broadcast you know with rain you'd yeah. prefer a staff bag over a stand bag but we had what we needed to, you know as long as you're not at the british open we had plenty of what we needed it kind of right. started out more as a promotional thing because you know ricky and i kind of brought up to cobra puma hey you could sell more stuff mm-hmm stand bags than than the staff bags everybody's doing that thing and who better than ricky and they love the right. idea it's it's a hybrid staff 
sandbag. Like it's not a true sandbag, so it's got a lot more room in it. It's got the material of the staff bag that holds up better in the rain. Um, so there's a lot of good things about it. Um, I actually asked him if we had a staff bag in the locker and asked him if he wanted to go to it on Sunday, and he said no, so we stuck with it. Um, it's nice <laughs> for me, you know, um, and, yeah, and he, seems to, he seems to like it as well. And then the Titleist guys did it this year or this last week as well. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. You're setting the trend now. Um, so two weeks off, what, the, what does Joe do in these two weeks off? Well, the celebration lasted about three days. I had buddies in town, <laughs> so we played golf and, uh, and extended the celebration for a few days. And then uh, just kind of getting back to normal life. I play a little bit of golf, uh, try to get in the gym, try to just take care of stuff that normal people take care of on weekends when they're off, um, right. you know, catching up on things like that. And then uh, I'll play a little bit of more, more golf this weekend and then head out on Monday. Nice. That's awesome. I love that, you, that you're still playing and you know, we know you're a good college player uh, and you played in the mini tours a little bit, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Is it tough? I, I was just curious, just curious, not, not in our like batch of questions we were thinking about asking, but is it, was it tough or was it tough ever when you're starting out as a caddy, when you, when you have those aspirations to begin with, like you're a good college player, you're, you're on the mini tours, you're trying to make it as a golfer. Is it tough to sort of, you know, quote unquote, give it up a little bit and go, go the caddying route? It's funny. You know, that that the, the first, uh, the first time we played with Phil Mickelson at Torrey Pines, he asked me a very similar question. And the thing I told him and I've told everybody is by the time I was done, I knew I wasn't good enough to be out there. So it wasn't a hard transition for me. Now, some of the caddies, yeah. you know, were borderline good enough to be out there. I wasn't, um, I wasn't quite that good. And I've gotten progressively worse now that I don't practice every day. <laughs> so, so no, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't bother me at all. And, you know, the thing I look back on is even if I had made it, all the dreams and things I had, you know, I would have been able to figure out maybe how to be a guy that was kind of back and forth between the two tours. And I probably wasn't even that good, but that's probably my highest ceiling that I could have figured out. And, right. you know, the caddy Ryder Cups and caddy for a guy that's got a chance to win majors – and win golf tournaments and win a player's championship and get to do all the things I've done. It's turned out way better than if I had played on my own anyway. Yeah. Would you say that's, that's the highlight, the, the Ryder cup so far for your caddying career? Yeah. I mean, the wins are special, you know, getting to be a part of all that. The Ryder cups are unbelievable weeks, you know, getting to be a part of Augusta and the fact that he's been up there and had chances there. That's always been my favorite tournament. And then just the people you meet, the people you're exposed to. I mean, if you break it down, I really, I carry a golf bag, you know, and for me to <laughs> live the life I do and get to meet the people I've gotten to meet and um, be around the people I've been around and, and get to do everything I've done, the experiences, I couldn't ask for anything more. That's awesome. You, uh, you got a favorite moment from the Ryder Cup? We're big Ryder Cup guys here. And, you know, Ricky's had a couple of good matches uh, yeah. go his way you got a favorite moment or you know on or off the course at a Ryder Cup yeah well I mean obviously Hazeltine was the first winning team I'd been a part of so that was special mm -hmm. and Ricky had a good week um, so that was great um, you know for me I grew up a big Phil Mickelson fan and Bones was kind of the guy, the guy that took me under his wing so the first match yeah. that we played was with them at Celtic Manor that was pretty special and then I always go back to that match. A lot of people remember, you know, Ricky 
in the singles, coming back four down with five to go against Molinari, uh, Eduardo, not Francesco, and uh, making the putt that he made to to send the Ryder Cup back to the last match instead of it being over. That was a really special moment to be around. I mean, a, a tour rookie, you know, going out there and doing that, it, it was really cool. So. Yeah, it just naturally produces so many, so many great moments. It's it's an unbelievable tournament to watch, and I'm sure to be a part of as a fan. So one interesting thing, Joe, like you live in Arizona and, and Ricky lives in Florida. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess, could you take our listeners into what your communications like and how you guys coordinate travel together? Yeah, I think um, you know most guys live in different cities than their players now. I mean. We see so much of each other. I don't think they'd want to see us any more than they do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> spend more time with us than their significant others. Sure. And um, so it's it's nice for everybody to get a break and be fresh. Um, mm-hmm. Ricky and I communicate a little bit, some weeks more than others. Um, you know, sometimes there'll be, he'll send me something that he's working on. Or, you know, when, when we're getting ready for Torrey Pines, he was talking to me about the ball a bit and some things like sure. that. So I was ready to go on that. Um, I have a, quite a bit of communication with his agent as well. And then, you know, always communicate with him and kind of know when he's going to show up but make sure when he's going to show up and make sure, you know, when I'm getting in there, I typically get in on there on Mondays and he typically gets in Monday night or on a Tuesday now. Um, so we just meet at the event and, mm-hmm. and go, I'll text him when I get there and find out what we're doing the next day or maybe the weekend before and we'll go from there. Love it. What's uh so how, you mentioned the new ball what are your thoughts on it it's I mean obviously it worked last week right but uh how, yeah. how's he liking it so far yeah it's been fantastic I mean uh, he did an extensive amount of testing obviously Titleist makes a great golf ball as well but um TaylorMade's come up with a really good ball uh, we had to adjust our distances a little bit we got on TrackMan you know and I knew that was coming and then we got on TrackMan the Tuesday before Tory and um, I got to see the averages on the numbers and everything. So that helped me out yeah. a lot. And um, the mid irons, there's a significant mid to long irons, a significant difference in distance. Um, and he seems to like everything about it. Like you said, it worked out uh, on Sunday. Yeah. Or two Sundays ago. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about the new schedule? Thoughts on the, on the new schedule in 2019? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Um, you know, this year, with the uh, PGA Championship being at Beth Page, uh, that'll be interesting to see what kind of weather they get during the winter and and how it is uh, for us when we get there. Um, I definitely like the fact that we're getting the season done earlier before football and and (laughs) they went to three playoff events and everything. I just think it's good um, that if guys want to take a bigger break, they can. I mean, it's, it's a long season for these guys and a lot of them play over in Europe and all around the world and um, so I think that's a good change and I've never been to players when it was in March. So it'll be interesting to see the change in the golf course, um, from, yeah. you know, 85 and humid playing Bermuda to playing overseeded rye soft and potentially, you know, potentially very cold there that time of year. So the, the real question here, Joe, has, has Ricky told you his wedding date yet? <laughs> I have an idea of when it's going to be. Yeah, I have an idea of when it's going to be. <laughs> you got a date? You have a date? You could take me or Scotty. We'd, 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 you know? <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend probably wouldn't be too happy about that. <laughs> uh, 
but you never know. <laughs> you never know. Um, that should be fun. I'm sure that's going to be. Uh, it's going it, to. We love obviously following the whole the whole crew on 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 social yourself and you know Speed and Justin and, and those guys and 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 it seems like Greller and all, all you guys get along as well. So I'm sure that's going to be a, a heck of a wedding. I, I at least want to see some good social media updates as the night goes on. We'll just say that. Yeah. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see if we're allowed to or not. You know, you never know. Yeah. You know what? I don't blame you for that. I can't tell you that. Uh, so you had a story. You want to tell a story about, I don't know if you have the story about Ricky, the Scotty Cameron. And he, I think he found, I heard, we heard a story. He found one or read, we read the story at one point that he found one of Tiger's old, reserve heads when he was in Scotty's studio and started using that a while back? Yeah, it was uh, one of the, um, I think it's called the, it's the Newport and I think they call it the tribounce or something of that sort. Yeah. Um, and he went to that. I, I can't remember exactly when it was, maybe two years ago or so. And has used a couple different versions of that um, since because he had, he came out using the Circa, used that for quite a while and then kind of messed around with the mallets and, and moved around a little bit there. And then got into this this head and has used you know he's got a couple of backups and used used a version of that for I think it's been two or three years now I get kind of confused on yeah. what year it happens, um, but it's it's been a while now. He's he's got such an envious putting stroke. I mean, everybody you hear it on every broadcast, every PJ Tour live. It's always <laughs> the same thing. It's like man, that is a fluid stroke. It's just it's so soft. It's such, it's got such great feel. Uh, mm-hmm. do you ever, do you ever, what's your role? What, what do you do on the greens frame? Cause it looks like I watch a lot of PGA tour live. So, you know, we're watching a lot and he's mm-hmm. in a lot of featured groups. Right. But I, I don't really see you come in too often for reads. It looks like he goes through his routine, kind of picks his spots and goes through it. I mean, how often are you helping him out on the greens? Yeah, it's, um, especially since the green books, it's even more rare. Cause he'll kind of just say, Hey, let me see the book. Um, and he'll take mm-hmm. a little look at it if he's confused. Um, and then now and then he'll call me in, you know, it's usually like kind of six to eight feet, pretty straight, you know, and he's trying to find something in it. And, you know, some weeks that happens twice in the whole week. Sometimes that happens four times around. Um, it's just kind of how he's feeling. Um, you know, different parts of the country, it might happen more than others. Um, but yeah, since the green book's been around, I kind of just hand him the green book and get out of the way. I still take looks just in case he's going to ask me. Um, you know, there's yeah. been, there's been weeks in the past where he's asked me quite a bit or asked me, you know, later in the tournament. So you always just want to kind of keep yourself ready. And I've done a yeah. lot of green reading stuff just to try and make myself better. So when he does ask me, um, I feel pretty confident about it. So. Cool. Just a couple more, Joe, and we'll get you out of here. Um, mm-hmm. what, uh, what would you say is the most surprising thing in Ricky's bag that, uh, our listeners would be surprised by? Other than golf clubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, oh, so not, not any of the golf clubs. Uh, I mean, he's got a, he's got a big collection of coins. So he he (laughs) collects a lot of coins and then a lot of people found out about that. So when we, you know, when we get any military or policemen or firemen, um, they kind of, you know, give him a, you know, one of their, you know, um, I guess you would call it, you know, kind of memorabilia type of coins. I don't know what the, the name for it would be. And so he collects those and keeps those over time. Um, other than that, there's not anything like that. really odd in the bag, kind of the essentials, yeah. you know? There's no weird sandwiches or anything <laughs> he needs in mid, mid-round. <laughs> no, no, he's kind of he's, – he's, we used to have sandwiches. Now he's turned into kind of a protein shake. 
and a bar guy. And, um, yeah, I keep it pretty simple with all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. So, uh, you mentioned the masters before and how, how much you like being at Augusta and playing that tournament week. Ricky's been in contention there a couple of times. Uh, mm-hmm. this year was, was seemed like a little more special. He, he made, uh, played great all week, but made a great run, made Patrick have to earn par in the last hole to win it. Uh, what was, what was so great about this year or that's just this past year at the masters? Well, that was, I mean, when you look back at it, to me, that was the closest he's really come to winning a major. I mean, he's had some yeah, some close calls, but like really going down to the 18th where you're still in it and he goes and, and hits the golf shot he hit and makes the putt for three and puts the pressure back on Patrick. Um, you know, he finished it off. And even though it wasn't a win, you felt like he did everything he needed to do to win. It just didn't happen that day. So, yeah. Um, so there was, that was really encouraging um, from that standpoint. And I think something that, you know, he's going to take with him in the future, just like this last tournament, you know, winning the way he did, I think will be a, you know, to me so far, it, it would be the biggest win of his career the way he did it. But I mean, I think yeah. he might, argue, I don't know if he would agree. And I think other people might argue TPC just because of the prestige of the event. But, um, the way he did this, I think will really help him out in future situations at Augusta and other majors. And I think last year's Augusta is going to, going to help him out and only give him confidence um, as he goes on there. And just building on that and looking at the majors yeah. and where they're set up this year, do you think anyone stands out as a, as more gettable than the other ones for his game? Um, I mean, Augusta is always, you know, one of the ones I, I feel like he's, I feel like he's got a game that can win all of them. But you always feel sure. good about Augusta because you go there every year. You know the course fits him. You know he likes it. The British Open, he kind of pretty much finds a way at every British Open course to to like it and for it to feel like it fits him. And the weather conditions there don't bother him. Um, so that's great. He's he's had a 54-hole lead at Bethpage. Um, Patrick Reed beat us there a couple years ago. Or how many ever years ago that was. Yeah. They had the playoff event there. So he's shown that he can play well there. And he's, he's played a U.S. Open there as an amateur as well. Um, and then you have Pebble Beach that we don't play that tournament a whole lot, but he played it his first couple of years. And we played the Callaway there before um, he came out on tour. So he's seen it enough. Um, and I feel like if it's firm and fast and U.S. Open conditions there, I feel like that's a really good golf course for him as well. And like I said, he doesn't really have any – glaring weaknesses in his game so i feel like every golf course every major sets up for him and he can win any of them yeah i'm, I'm feeling pretty good about i'm feeling pretty good about it this year i think i think we're gonna get our first one joe this is, i like this that is i like the way you're thinking i like it let's go <laughs> uh so, uh, you got a tip that so i mean you guys get to play in some programs a lot we obviously have a lot of amateur listeners on the podcast is there one tip you or ricky often give to amateurs that that you would give amateurs to our listeners that, that you see a lot of pro-ams? Yeah, we kind of stay out of the way a lot and just try to help <laughs> them enjoy it, you know? Just yeah. kind of help yeah. them enjoy it and talk to them and have a good time. You know, a lot of times we play with guys that are, you know, bigger corporate guys that don't get to play much golf. So, yeah. um, you know, but then now and then you'll play with a really good player. I don't know if there's a universal tip. I mean, I mean, I would say just to try to enjoy it as much as possible. I get so frustrated. I mean, it's such a hard game. What these guys do makes it look so easy. I mean, yeah, that's, it's crazy. you know, something us caddies notice when we go home and I'm trying to hit, 
you know, a whole fade seven iron in somewhere and I haven't practiced in a month. It's probably not a smart idea, you know, keep it simple and just try to have fun, you know? Yeah. You're like, I'm going to take it over the waist here and then I'm going to curve it back into the green. We'll leave ourselves an uphill putt. And then, and then, and then I just double cross it into the shit. Yeah. And then it's a double bogey move on and uh, I try to hit that shot. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Joe. I think uh, good luck this year. Uh, it's been it's been fun to watch you guys already. Congrats on the win again out at Waste Management. Uh, we hope to see you guys out there. We're going to try to come up to Pebble, so hopefully, hopefully we can see you guys out there. Uh, but if Please. not, um, good luck and thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you joining. Yeah, yeah Joe. Thanks yeah. so much. Thanks, for guys. I appreciate it. Obviously, a talented caddy and, and a wonderful caddy, but even a better person. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, buddy. Take care. Bye. All right. Talk to you later, bro. All right, guys. That was Joe Scaverin. Uh, it was a pleasure to interview him. We had a ton of fun. Yeah, I mean, that was just awesome. And hopefully that was as much fun for our listeners as it was for me and Steven to give that insight to what goes on in the world behind the ropes inside of Caddy's head on, and on the PGA Tournament in the heat of the battle. So that, that was a lot of fun yep. uh, for us. And uh, no better than our, you know, our boy Ricky's caddy. So it was, it was fun. Anyways, make sure you guys rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Check us out on Twitter and on Instagram at Waggle and Whiff Pod, the letter N at Waggle and Whiff. Find us there. Uh, write into us, DM us if you want us to talk about anything in particular. Tell Give us what us you like, feedback. what you don't like. Yeah, let's do this. Come on. Uh, anyways, we'll have some more interviews hopefully coming up uh, in podcast this year. We're just getting started. We're just getting heated up. Dude. Hello, somebody. Just getting heated up. Ooh, major like season it. approaching. Yes, Genesis. It's going to be the players before you know it. We're super excited. Thanks for listening to us, guys. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.